Eliminating and welcome to the Down and Friend podcast. How's it going, guys? Woo! We are pumped. We are here. We're excited. We are the Down and Friend podcast where we review movies, TV shows, nerdy stuff, anime, everything that we want, everything that people enjoy. We're always down to hang out on a random night and always uh, sip a little something as a drink and just kind of chat about some stuff. So thanks for tuning in to our work. You can find a lot of our work on Apple Podcasts and a lot of other stuff that we'll talk about later. Uh, but I am Warren, your host. I'm going to toss it over to the mouth of the South. I mean, this man is going to be so famous that he's going to make me rich somehow. Brylan, how's it going? How's it going tonight? It's good, man. Good to see your face, as always. Thank you. Yeah. What you uh, what you uh, been uh, sipping on and what you drinking? And also, what you watching? Uh, so, what I'm sipping on tonight, in honor of our uh, movie, I decided to go out and get me some nice Kentucky bourbon. Nice. And nothing says Kentucky bourbon to me like Woodford Reserve. And so, this is Distiller Select, too, so you can see right there. So There you go. But I highly recommend Woodford Reserve and any Kentucky bourbon. Uh, Lynchburg, Tennessee still, I feel, is, you know, up there because that's just home. And that'll always be first to me. Nice. Um, but what I've been watching recently is American Vandal on Netflix. And so last year we had a bunch of different um, documentaries come out that told, like, uh, serial murder stories and potential murder stories in a very different dramatic way, like from a serial podcast to making a murder to the Robert Durst documentary. They all like kind of approach the documentary style in a very new, uh, refreshing way, even to the point where it's just kind of like, oh, you as the audience, you go ahead and decide and share with each other and made it very active, the conversation around what the talking points were. And so they were very entertaining, very engaging as well. Uh, so eventually it was like these type of uh, documentaries. There's there's going to be somebody to spoof it. It's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And so American Vandal is that spoof. It is that mockumentary uh, that follows uh, the story of uh, who painted dicks on teachers' cars at a high school. <laughs> so <laughs> it sets up a very like funny sophomoric uh, event that uh, covers like someone that was possibly accused of doing these things and is there more to the story than that? And so they take that serial approach. What's really cool about this, and I think for like a lot of these recent uh, spoof type shows, like uh, I think I see Comrade Detective as kind of like a spoof on the 70s hard-boiled detective show, is that not only am I finding it funny, I'm finding it engaging to listen to the story as well. So it was like a point while watching American Vandal where I was like, Hold on, is this a real high school? Did this actually happen? And then my my logic, my logical side of my brain just definitely kicks back in. It's like, oh wait, no, no school system would ever allow this to happen. 
Uh, and the credits I didn't always tell you, like, hey, it's made by an actual production company. But um, but it is really fun. It's really engaging. Uh, the main character, who's named Dylan, uh, he's actually done really well. And there's also, like, some really funny school teachers in it as well. So I definitely uh, highly recommend it. Cool. Yeah, I mean, that sounds very interesting. That sounds pretty cool. So I'm definitely going to have to check that out uh, whenever I get a chance to finally kind of catch up on some other shows. Uh, so yeah, but that's American Vandal. That's on Netflix. So I uh, appreciate it, man. Uh, Mr. Blewett, the Shredder, the man who looks gorgeous 27 hours a day. How's it going, man? I thought you were going to say 27 hours a year, but uh, I peak <laughs> June 29th. Boom. There you uh, go. Yes. Uh, yeah, I'm not doing too bad. I was gonna, like, Bryland, pay homage to this, the film we just watched, um, but didn't. I took a hard left turn and ended up getting some spice rum for tonight. Uh, so I called this drink the Haunted Corkscrew. Uh, because it is kind of like a screwdriver in that it is booze and orange juice, but it is Baron Zombie Spiced Drum. I'm honestly loving it. Nice. It's like McDonald's. Um, in terms of what I've been watching, <laughs> I saw two movies uh, the last like couple days. The first one was Kingsman, The Secret Service, uh, which I felt was appropriate because I ne- I've never seen it. It's been on my like to-do list for so long. Literally since the first one came out, people were like, you should see that. I'm like, I should go see it. And then just never did until like two nights ago. Um, the second thing I saw was a movie called Little Evil. And it's technically billed as um, starring uh, Ben from Parks and Recs. Adam Scott, that's the actor's name. And uh, Turk. Donald Faison, oh, I love where, him. yeah, oh. Turks in it for like four seconds. It's wow. the most. It's 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 on. It's a Netflix original, <laughs> but it's like the biggest case of misadvertising because none of the funny characters, like uh, Chris D'Elia is in it. Some dude from Agent Carter, who I've also seen in some other things, is in it. Like, there's a bunch of people in the movie, but they aren't really in the movie, and it's kind of misleading seeing it you know, advertised. Uh, that being said, it was pretty funny. Definitely. If you have like an hour and a half to kill, not a bad waste of your time. I will say this though, the main lead female character, the entire movie, I was like, damn, man, they got a great. So I have this thing where like, I see characters in movies and be like, Oh, they couldn't afford X. So they got this person. Uh, my most famous one was in zombie land. I was like, wow, they can't afford Michael Sarah, so that they got this kid Jesse, and then it turns out, <laughs> you know, right. he's a big star in his own right. But whatever. Uh, so the whole time through Little Evil, I was like, man, they did a real good job getting an uh, Miss E Lily, uh, Miss Lily, because uh, I don't know how to pronounce her first name, Evangeline, um, Evangeline Lily. Uh, they got a great knockoff on that, and then lo and behold, the credits hit, and like the third one is like starring Evangeline Lily. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I, I thought she was a, she didn't look like the stereotypical her. I thought she was a knockoff the whole whole friggin' film. Damn. It was pretty solid though. It was a good like very good parody. Speaking of uh, parodies, Breland of uh, the Omen and like those seventies oh, yeah. era horror films. I was thinking like from the trailer, it looked like a remake of Problem Child mixed with the Omen. They do two huge Omen and one big Poltergeist like reference like. Scene like a shot for shot remake of a couple of those scenes. 
Oh well, but it's not bad. It's not great, but it's also not bad. I mean, it's a, like you said, it's something to watch. So, well, thank you for uh, hanging out. I'm super pumped to talk about Kingsman with you, also, because I think that you're pretty fired up um, about this. Uh, I am Warren, and I am your host, and uh, I am currently sipping on a Blue Moon Belgian White. It's a wheat ale. It's nice. It's nothing crazy. I kind of switched switched off from having wine. Had a lot of wine yesterday, so. Uh, maybe it can have a break for a few hours. And uh, uh, the only thing I've been watching has been the Ozark. Really trying to catch up and kind of finish this show. I think I have about maybe a couple episodes left. Uh, I know a lot of people have been talking about it. They've been comparing it to Breaking Bad. I, I mean, besides all that, I just really like seeing Jason Bateman in more like kind of a serious sort of role. I, I think he really excels at that particular sort of character, especially in this actual show. Uh, and I also like seeing like the, this weird sort of mysterious kind of uh, linking of it because they even had one episode that was like all in the past. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, so you know that's the Ozark. That's on Netflix. I think everybody's arguably may have already seen it before, but it's I'm definitely trying to get through. I've been uh, traveling a lot, so it's an excellent idea to like travel with an iPad sort of on the plane, knock out two three episodes, um, and then kind of keep going. So I think that's actually a pretty cool way to like uh binge a lot of content and uh, i think definitely should check it out and that's the ozark on netflix bradley you said you haven't seen it yet i'm not um yeah i've been getting into a place where like one hour long like 13 episode movies unless i'm like know what i'm getting into it's yeah. kind of tough to take the time to I, get to it i mean i would say like this the first episode really shows you like what kind of show this is and it just it, it, it just goes from there um and i i remember i didn't know what kind of show it was until like some shit happens i was like what what and so i'm like kind of hooked and i i'm already like seven eight episodes in right so i definitely want to finish it but you know 13 hours of content that's kind of tough you know especially if you haven't seen it before so i can definitely hear you on that and just like mike was talking about it like the only things that i would want to watch are things that are enjoyable i think or at least some things that some things that i like and if if it's not good i just don't want to waste my time with it and i'm kind of no. bummed i like i dropped some shows off my list of you know man in the high castle was one and yeah. uh, mozart in the jungle was one and it, it just they were good and they weren't even like slow burn shows, not all of them at least, but I just kind of had to say I'd rather watch this movie or this other kind of TV show that's a little bit more enjoyable or a little bit more pleasing uh, besides Mother. And, uh, you know, really kind of like have, have, I like to have fun with the content that we actually watch. So, yeah. you know, I definitely don't I want I wanted to make sure that I'm using my time wisely because. You know, there's especially in October, we have so many stuff coming out. And my roommate just told me about apparently the Punisher is coming out. Spoiler alert! I didn't even realize that. So I'm like, you know, I have to like. There's no, shows there's early. no official date for like announced. It's an official year. Yeah, it's coming out <laughs> before the end of this year. That's hilarious. Yeah. I love the way they're doing the marketing. By the way, it's like it's so unique where they purposely are obscuring the date it comes out, which I've never seen anyone do. I mean, that's yeah. pretty cool because they, you, especially for Netflix, because it's all like basically subscription based. If they just drop that episode, I think they did that before too with, um, what's the name of the show with Kevin Spacey on Netflix? House of Cards. Didn't they do that? Or it was like one of these shows that just dropped all the, se all the episodes of one season and nobody even knew it was coming out. Um, I'll look into it. I gotta see if I can try to find it. Try to see if we can. So. 
No, that's funny. Like two years ago, we would never have a conversation about like how 13 one hour episodes is too long of an investment. <laughs> now it is. It definitely is. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's chat. Let's talk about Kingsman, the golden circle, Matthew Vaughn. This is his second installment of this film. The first one was called Kingsman, you know, the secret service. Uh, and so this movie kind of going into, I want to get some of you guys' thoughts, some overall sort of uh, uh, excitements or sort of worries or just things that you thought about this film before we get into this entirely kind of spoiler uh, version of it. And uh, that's going to be after our actual intermission. So let's chat. I'm actually going to toss it over to kind of Brylin here. Of uh, Brylin, did you watch the first Kingsman? And what was something that you was excited or kind of hesitant about the second version? Yeah, I saw the first Kingsman, and when I saw it... Uh I thought it was a really fun movie, very solid in its action. Um, it was something that was a little different than other action movies that were out there. It was a nice little spoof on the James Bond franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, I found that it had a really nice charm, like Colin Firth uh, and Mark Strong were really well done uh, as their characters in that movie. And uh, I liked that it took a lot of risks, like, I mean, ending a movie on an anal sex joke. I mean, who, <laughs> who else would have done that? That was just, like, way out of left field and unexpected. And I thought Samuel Jackson's uh, villain was actually uh, really refreshing for villains in a very comic book uh, movie because um, he kind of, like, he thinks he's a good guy doing the good thing the whole time. And it's just he ends up killing people along the way. Yeah. And that's what makes him a villain. And he's not even like a criminal or anything. He has legitimate business that he's actually just putting out this SIM card that will blow up people's heads. <laughs> and uh, it's uh, it had just that uh, interesting, like, uh, just an interesting aesthetic. The whole, like, haberdasher, like, bespoke suit. I can get down with that. It's a very classy thing to do. Uh, and I like that it, it was just hiding uh, this uh, indiv- this independent intelligence agency underneath it as well. So the secret it's a lot of yeah. It was a fun movie. Nice, cool. Uh, Blue, what about you? Yeah. So seeing as I watched this movie about twelve hours before I saw the second one, um, <laughs> I I really enjoyed it. I thought it was very refreshing. I think we'll, we're going to talk a little bit more about why the first one was so good in the spoilers section, at least on my end, because I feel like I have a lot of wins and criticisms that bounce off of that. Um, but it was, it was definitely like a nice and refreshing take. They even said it, I, I, not again, not to get too spoilery, but they said like the whole, this isn't your movie. This isn't your standard like movie. And I love that aspect, and I think they held up to their end of the bargain on that side of things. So I was pretty pumped. I, again, it's like it's weird. Like I, I really was into the sequel only because everyone told me to go see the first one, and then I saw the first one after I bought tickets to see the second one. So there was like there's I was going to see that movie regardless of how I felt about the first one, and I I really enjoyed it. It was it was refreshing for. Again, spoiler reasons. Yeah, cool. Keep on listening. Please. And I'll tell you why it was refreshing. Yeah, I think the biggest thing was I was just excited to go back into this universe. I, I'll, I'll really like Matthew Vaughn, especially what he was doing with the X-Men sort of uh, universe. And he really kind of brought 
arguably it was one of the best ones. Like that was going in a really really dark uh, path that I could not follow. So uh, I was really pumped to see that it, it kind of came back and he had this like uh, anything about like Secret Service and like people fighting and you know like um, definitely like gadgets. Also like fun gadgets. I'm always kind of pumped to see. So really going into this movie, I was re just really excited about you know I don't I don't even know who's in this movie and we're gonna get into a bit of the spoiler some some stuff here too and we're really talking about wins and sort of criticisms about that but I was just really excited to kind of learn about okay we're going back into this kind of universe and like where it's gonna go so I'm pretty pumped about that so without further ado we were going to give you a small intermission uh, we will be back and we're gonna go into an entire spoiler ridden episode of Kingsman Golden Circle so we'll see you shortly and see you soon And thanks for hanging out with the Down and Fun podcast. We are here to give you an entirely spoiler, fun-filled version of Kingsman: The Golden Circle. We talked about some of the things that we're excited about. Now we're going to get really into the nitty-gritty and talk about our wins. I'm going to toss it over to Brylin. Says Brylin, how about your boy? Alrighty. So some of, uh, I would say probably the biggest thing I love about this movie is I love, love, love the entire aesthetic of the Statesman. Uh, from the little um, belt buckle of um, having a little um, have a little bottle of whiskey that they carry around with them to the their headquarters being a big whiskey bottle, yeah, uh, and this being like tried and true cowboys throughout uh, with their whole aesthetic and just being very American about it too. Uh, their gadgets are awesome, like the laser uh, uh, lasso uh, and using. Um, and using revolvers instead of uh, just standard clip guns. I mean, I think uh, they definitely do an amazing job of creating this uh, this brother uh, agency that goes along with the Kingsmen and making it a very American uh, uh, organization as well. Yeah. Um, one thing. One thing I, I yeah. really want to say about this, and my God, how did you mess this up? Why were their names alcohol drinks? Like, I get it. They're whiskey it's distillers. Yeah. It's sure. But it's tequila distillers. and champagne are not traditionally American. <laughs> but it was fun. Would you want Mexican? Would you want whiskey-based drinks? Like no, I want, found, I want founding fathers. So I think it would have been way funnier if they – so because this would reflect perfectly – with what, uh, like, you know, the, the founding of the English, you know, England. The Kingsmen are Arthurian legend. Exactly. Nice. Where, yeah. so it's, there's no, there's no such thing as like an American legend unless you go to Native Americans. Bill and. Uh, right. But, John but Henry. we do have, we do have somewhat legendary founding fathers, you know, where like they, we definitely elevate them past what they were as individuals. So I think, how do you not, how do you, how do you mess this up that, 
you literally cannot call one of them Franklin and Jefferson and Washington is like the leader. Like that's such yeah. an obvious thing where, and it ties in way more to the country. It ties in way more to, uh, the government that's, you know, around the people like England still technically has the monarch, whereas the founding fathers were responsible for establishing, you know, that re- the Republic democracy that we our democratic Republic that we're in right now. Uh, I think it's because they, I mean, these agencies, they work independently. They're not part of the government. They're there to kind of keep the government in check. And it's kind of like having the government ties later on in this film kind of relate to that, too. Well, it's going off of the legend of the country where Arthurian legend is so ingrained in England. And for us, at least where I grew up, like... The founding fathers was so ingrained in how we were taught as children about how this country developed. Like that, I, I cannot believe that's not the direction they went through. Yeah. And you could even go based on their personalities. Like you know, uh, I'm sure my Arthurian legend right now, after uh, a couple of Baron Somdies, uh, what did I call him? Uh, a haunted um, corkscrew. Haunted corkscrews. Uh, yeah. After a couple haunted corkscrews, I'm not really sure on the people that they chose to play Lancelot and Galahad and Arthur, but like you definitely could have made Franklin being Franklin should have been Channing Tatum, like the playboy, like whatever it goes, but he's really smart and really good at like, come on. It's so obvious. Uh, not to discredit your point. The statesmen were incredible <laughs> taken out of that, but like you they just missed a really obvious answer right yeah. there. Yeah, it's a valid criticism for their nomenclature. And I think it'd been more American if they went that route. But um, yeah. I still like the the names were still fun. You still got the point behind the statesman with that champagne. Um, Ginger worked perfectly though. Ginger, oh yeah, she was exactly drinking like, one. <laughs> but um, also, I got to give credit to uh, Mark Strong discontinuing his Merlin character. He's an actor that's usually playing villains. Uh, like, he's probably the best thing about Green Lantern because he was a great Sinestro. Oh. And <laughs> and I know you don't like the movie overall, <laughs> but he's Sinestro out of the comics, and then he was amazing. Out of all the movies Sinestro. he played a villain, I'm surprised you pulled that one out. I was like, yeah. oh, no. <laughs> uh, but uh, Mark Strong has brought just a nice charm and uh, wit behind the character of Merlin yeah. and the way they let him go out singing John Denver and like John Denver's his favorite you find out John Denver's his favorite musician and just standing on that landmine while he just sings that song in the uh, Golden Circle Goons just get closer to him that was a fantastic scene a fantastic way to just complete his character's arc as well I thought that was a very strong moment uh, I think that's probably has to go down as one of my wins so I have to argue I mean I would definitely like like uh, support that I'm just kind of bummed and they really you know this was there's a lot a, a deeper a, a bit of a deeperness that he was kind of talking about this is you know she, uh, ginger ale you know ginger ale and Merlin were talking about it and it was like why don't we ever get a chance to go into the field sort of thing right and uh, they have like a bit of a moment that I thought was very nice. It, it didn't fit with the actual yeah. scene. I thought that was a very nice moment to actually have. And then you then realize that, you know, this entire universe is made up, right? It's very for fun. It's very silly, all the stuff. But at the same time, even in this universe, people die. And 
it did talk a, a bit about the person behind the actual scenes of it. It's, it's a bit safer to the point where if I'm going to go out, I'm going to go out knowing that I'm going to give my life or give myself to this um, cause. And uh, I thought his, the way that he went out was very, very touching. I was very sad that it was like, yeah. he didn't even get a chance to shine. But, you know, that happens. And just because you go into war or you go into these movies, you may not necessarily kind of get a chance to shine. So I do like how he framed that uh, pretty well in this movie. See, I, I disagree on that one again. Apparently, I'm just, this is who I am tonight. That's uh, fine. I, for me, there was no pretense to it. Mm. They did not set up the fact that he was going to, like, <laughs> sacrifice his life at all in the first movie. Fair. And then they had one throwaway a line about him going in the field. But again, it didn't set up the pretense that he was going to die. I admit that I loved the scene of him singing at the henchman. Like that, as a single scene, was actually really cool. And they set this up. So traditionally, they play uh, the bagpipes in England for a soldier's a soldier's death. Um, and so having the bagpipes open the entire film, playing John Denver, Denver's "Take Me Home." was a very touching callback. Like it was like, you know what we talked about in baby driver with the whole like uh, tinnitus thing mm -hmm. um, yeah. from the opening moments of the film, they set up kind of the end of the film. Uh, and that was cool. But character wise, like my God, where did that come from? Honestly, I, I want him back in the third one as some sort of villain role because it will actually complete an arc that he's established. Like, yeah. him to go out in that scene wasn't really there. Well, I kind of knew... Uh, so, she mentioned... So, Poppy mentions Mines, Sweeper. She mentions, like, hey, make sure you reactivate the Mines when the lawyer comes. And then they grab a baseball bat that's a mine Sweeper. So, I knew that somebody was going to die by a mine. Yeah, and something's so, going to happen with the mines. Yeah, they so, mentioned it too many times. So, it was. I, I, I at least liked it because he kind of gave his life for like Eggsy or you know Galahad you know he, he gave his life for a, a better cause because he's like this is your father and I think that that ties back to the first movie when his father saved their lives and there is a tie back moment of there and just like we saw in the first movie flashback like that's he, his father gave a sacrifice his life to save them and he also does the same thing for them for the future so I thought that was a, a pretty good moment you're yeah, not and wrong. He's, also, he's always there to be the character that is their backbone. He's there to support them uh, whenever they need it because Galahads and Lancelot, they're out there in the field. They're doing the dirty work, and Merlin's always back at the home office uh, doing his computer hacker thing. And uh, when, I mean, these movies are two specific examples where shit goes wrong for the Kingsmen, and he has to get out there and. Um, for him to be like kind of like quote unquote the one not trained for the field and to do the most the bravest act possible, I think it speaks volumes for that character. Yeah, you're. I mean, you're not. You're certainly not wrong with like the whole callback to you know the father sacrificing his life. I'm just saying that in that moment, it wasn't really established why he would do some sort of that sort in, of thing in this movie, complete out of nowhere. I can yeah. I, I agree with you on that one, Mike. In the movie, I'm like. All right, they they could have get like, and I'm wondering, right? I really wonder if in deleted scenes, if they show like Merlin training or something like that for him wanting to get out of the field, but he's being like clumsy or he just doesn't, he's scared or something like that. I wonder if they're gonna put some stuff like that in it. Probably not, but it'll be interesting to see if they tried. 
um, and just probably yeah. couldn't make it work. It was it was just hand fisted. Yeah. that's all. That's all I'll say yeah. about that. Brian, what you got? What else you got? Uh, so um, I'll mention that uh, even though I think he popped up too many times, uh, Elton John fight scene was hilarious. <laughs> oh, he was um, great. It was it was funny to see. I mean, from what I've read, Elton John's like notoriously difficult to work with, and for him to like have fun with something that's totally you wouldn't expect him to actually be part of something like this. Uh, to him, like actually have fun and actually have that type of scene where he's jump kicking people in the face and stuff. <laughs> it was funny to see that side of Elton John, which we've never seen before. Was he um, a king- so? Was he a Kingsman or was he? I I felt like in the first movie they had mentioned something that he knows about it or. Um, I think it was one of the kidnapped celebrities uh, that Valentine had at the end, along with like Mark Hamill. But he's not like and especially the, trained or fight or anything. No, no, oh, okay. it's just Elton John being Elton <laughs> John. That's uh-huh. what it's supposed to lead to. Um, and as for the statesman, uh, even though Channing Tatum is Channing Tatum, uh, Pedro Pascal, uh, he's uh, he's moving up on that Charlie Hunnam level, uh, oh. and he he's awesome as Whiskey. I think Whiskey is an amazing character. Uh, to see him be like the seasoned, like well mannered. Um, classy uh, statesman and he has the best action scene in the movie where he's actually pulling out his two revolvers and going to town on these uh, on all these people in the oh, Alps okay. and he's like so he says cover me and then he's just out there on his own just shoots the <laughs> shit out of him he doesn't really need any backup he's just that damn good okay. he's just smooth as hell for anything he does uh, and um, it's interesting to see like the little twist that they give him as well at the end of uh, not really being sided with the Golden Circle, but still having his own nefarious means of why he wants uh, the plan to fail. Yeah, which is uh, interesting. I thought it was going to uh, go. I thought it was going to go. Yeah, I thought it was going to go a completely different way, and then they they kind of show their hand a little bit. But I still am glad they kind of went that route because at one point I sat there, I was like, man, like, I only seen that magic rope once. And then I was like, oh, okay, it's going to come back. And here's how it comes back. So I thought that was, uh, I, th- I thought it was okay to do that. Just, just call it a lasso. It's okay. <laughs> but what's a lasso made out of? A rope. Ha ha! <laughs> <laughs> but, um, Lastly, I'll say, like, I kind of thought the, uh, I, I kind of enjoyed the Eggsy Tildy relationship. I thought it was neat that, um, that, uh, they took this anal sex joke and this, like, girl that could have been very superficial from the first one, and they built a character around her, and they, yeah. like, gave her, like, her due in this movie. Uh, and you got to see, like, a really funny, uh, moment where Eggsy's having dinner with the king and queen of Sweden. Um, the whole, uh, Glastonbury Festival scene where it's like, hey, I gotta have sex with this girl to <laughs> to save the world, but let me call her real quick and see if it's okay first. I thought that was actually a really good uh, touching moment. Like, kind of just added to in this comic book world, having them like have show that he kind of matured as well a little bit yeah. from the first movie. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I mean. I'll share a couple of my wins and I'm going to toss it over to Blewett. Uh, I mean, I just love the aesthetic, uh, the aesthetic of 
the statesmen and how you potentially may have um, different secret societies like everywhere around the world. Uh, and I thought it was very funny. I, I really enjoy this moment because it, it, you know, basically everybody dies. Which side note, I don't think Roxy's dead. If you saw her craw crawling out of her bed, I think she's probably still alive and she's going to come back in the third movie. Uh, but who knows? Uh, but you see. Every, everybody dies and only right now only Merlin and Galahad kind of survives and so they kind of go into like their bunker and they open up the chest and they just see a bottle of whiskey and so they're like I guess we just drink and like we're just gonna drink to our fallen foes and I thought that moment was very funny it was very very nice just them two on screen just ha hanging out like having a good time uh, I really enjoyed a lot of these moments that Matthew Vaughn put in it and Scenes like that, I'll go back and watch, and I'll watch drink drink with a bunch of my buddies, and we'll probably just be hanging out, kind of laughing at that time. So I thought that was kind of uh, a pretty pretty cool sort of moment. Um, then you know you get everything about like the statesmen, and so now I'm wondering, I'm like, is it going to be in every continent? I'm like, I, are we going to have more of these? Are there more secret societies? I really hope we expand and see like a Avengers type of like kind of uh, gathering because everything about the statesmen is very need. fun. Yeah, right? It, it definitely can be. Uh, everything about the States was fun. Like, Channing Tatum, I didn't even realize he was in this movie. I didn't even know Holly Berry was in this movie. So I was really excited about her because she's so sexy. Uh, and I sat there like, this is like his opening sequence of like stunning them and like doing all his work and just spitting the tobacco to stop up the whiskey. I'm like, that was just a great introduction for a yeah. character. Apparently uh, they're parts. developing. Uh, so not only is Channing Tatum going to be in the third Kingsman as a Kingsman, nice. which they implied at the end. Yeah, they did. Yep. But uh, they're apparently developing a Kingsman spinoff. Why? Which, eh, right? Right? Yeah, like, yeah it's like, uh, I mean, if it's the Statesman, I will watch a Statesman movie. But, like, just think that it will be these things everywhere, right? Like, what other famous actors and actresses that we can get into these roles and then find something weird about, uh, like, something that's a part of that history and then get, like, secret code names of how that's going to be funny. Uh, I, think See, they, I, think it's, I think they have a big market for it. I just really hope they do it well. I, I kind of wish In France, it would be the Creepsmen. It would start with <laughs> <Tel> <laughs> See, I kind of wish they did, like, France or Italy or Spain first and then saved America for the third one. Partially because, like... Obviously, the history we have with England is intense. Yeah. Let's let's be honest. But uh, story—it's a better term for that. Where like, I think that you could have brought that to light in the finale to this whole thing, rather than the second one. Because where do you not to get too like nationalistic? But like, where do you go up from America? Canada. Seriously, like. Like, I mean, I'll, I'll double down on the nationalism, the jingoism. I was like, hey, statesmen are just much cooler than Kingsmen. Uh, I would see, I would debate you on that. I would say, like, the Kingsmen are, are cooler. I'd say America is America, go America, number one. But uh, I don't, what's the point? America? Uh, so, <laughs> so, so with that, but like, it's one of those things that uh, I think the Kingsmen had the cool factor down. Uh, and I didn't mind, like, part of me was just like, oh, yeah, America just won every fight scene ever. You know, that's awesome. Cool. Um, but I think they could have saved it for the third one, where they could have had 
again, like France, who's had a, a history with England, but like they've mostly in the last couple hundred years been allies. Um, they could have done that first and then had a big blowout, you know, trilogy ending movie mm-hmm. with the Americans coming into play. Because I agree with Warren, it's very interesting to see what every society's like secret, secret, you know, police would be like. Um, first, like I don't think they'd ever do any like the Asian countries or the Middle Eastern countries, but you could certainly talk about the Germans and like you know some of the Romantic countries first before you got to America. Yeah, but then at the same time, I mean, it's it's like everybody loves the UK. And then, of course, people want to see, like, well, the UK, then what's America doing? I, I definitely understand why they did uh, they did it. Now, could have, do- could have done, like, Kingsman and a couple other, like, ones. It could have been other places that we have, like, hidden in plain sight that we just don't necessarily know. Um, I, I'm glad they did it. Like, although I definitely agree with you, Mike, like, I would have liked the name change. That was pretty cool. I didn't even think about that. Um, I am glad they did it because then we can kind of grow with these characters and see... Uh, whiskey right we can see her now actually fight and like develop as an actual character we can see where they're actually kind of coming from like we've seen a bit with the kind of kingsmen although they're like all destroyed now not really because they're rebuilt so now we have already well, kind of destroyed twice like in each movie <laughs> yeah. at least yeah. all of them but that's it's it's also very funny because that's another thing they're going to keep if they keep doing it i think that's very funny to try to do um <coughs> you know but i think it'd be cool just to see um, now they already have a bit of crossover, so are, are we going to have tequila and Kingsman, right? And then, like, are we going to have those mix and match and those kind of weird things? So I think that I think it's a, a, a pretty cool moment to kind of see that. Yeah, it's not tequila anymore. Oh, right? So who's going to be? Um, my last uh, point, uh, Pedro Pascal was awesome. Uh, my last point is I'm glad that this is this is a win. This is a great win, like we just talked about. Uh, this is the second time that Shannon Tatum started a movie that John Denver is being soloed. And uh, that's just great. That's a great way to actually kind of talk about how great that song is. Uh, the first one that we talked about was in uh, Logan Lucky. Uh, and now I saw this, I was like, oh, I was getting so excited just because it's, it's, it's a song. But both of those moments were very impactful for what was happening in the movie. Uh, and it just came... It, it didn't come out of nowhere because he also dropped a hint earlier of who's his favorite artist. And he's like, John Denver. John Denver. So uh, I thought that was a very, very fun moment. I also enjoyed that actual scene, like Robot Dogs and Elton John to all the ridiculousness that she put, they, they, that he put in this movie. Um, I thought it was pretty cool. And especially like he's, they, I wonder if he had some sort of like overarching sort of idea about drug use. Who knows? Uh, but I thought it was funny that they really did not paint the president in a good light in this movie. And I thought that was also very fun. So, cool. Blue, what, you, what about you? I got a couple things. So, in terms of pure wins, uh, I one thing I, I love about these movies, the first one included, uh, also extended to the second one, which means all of them, uh, they felt like pages from a comic. So the way that they did a lot of these action scenes, they didn't have quick cuts. They literally just, um, instead of a cut, they'd have a, like an animated rotation um, where the camera moved from scene to scene in a smooth manner. And so it really felt like you were reading a comic book rather than watching a fight scene. Mm. Um, and I think that really 
so it's funny. I didn't know this was a comic until I read it uh, after I watched the first one, which is about six hours before I saw the second one. Um, so I felt like it really separated itself from Captain America and Batman, where a lot of those movies, they try and make a very grounded martial arts based movie. And this didn't. It was just all over the place. Like people are high flying, getting blown back by guns, like making these crazy flip things. And it felt like someone was individually drawing pages or cells into a comic book rather than like a movie. And I think that was a good thing. Um, I thought one thing uh, that was amazingly well done uh, and think cool runnings. Um, So they had this one scene where they take off from Jamaica and they're playing one theme and then you see a palm tree and it kind of fades. It does a crossfade and you see a snow barren airfield with one frozen pine. And the, the music changes from reggae with like a steel drum into country music with like a violin and a, like a, a banjo. And I thought that was the coolest thing ever to introduce the fact that they were leaving their home and going to this strange land, even though it was the exact same music. And they did the same thing at the beginning of this film. They, they musically showed you that this was going to be different. They showed a bagpipes version of John Denver's take me home into like a country Western. And then at the very end, they did the exact same thing where they played, I I don't remember the name of the song, but they played a song and then they had like a traditional kind of more, a little more traditional British uh, version of it. And then the, what's his face? Whiskey started winning and then they switched it immediately to a country version and like it, it really helps to underscore that action. I really find it. It's not like the craziest thing in the world, but I really like it when composers do that when they mess with genre to portray a point. Um, the other thing is that it really shows how close those organizations are, where you can have one thematic material but separated by instrumentation and overall feel. Um, both organizations are trying to save the world; they just do it in different regards. Uh, again, musically showing what is on screen. Um, I think I have two last points. One <laughs> is super simple. The whole piss on me line, I was <laughs> screaming. Not to be a tumbler chick about this, but I was absolutely losing my mind for that like that line. I just did not see it coming, and it really held up with the whole shock value that the first movie had. There was a lot of things in that first movie that I was like, oh my god, how are they getting away with this? And that just completely fit the bill. Yeah. The last thing is... What happens in Glasgow stays in Glasgow. What happens in Glasgow stays in Glasgow. Um, <laughs> the last thing I'd have to say, and this is a real point, was that Poppy was amazing. Julianne Moore absolutely crushed it. She was adorable with her like whole 50s side of things. Like She was cutesy in that same regard. She was terrifying. And she was in charge. Like, if she literally spanned the range of like, oh my God, you're awesome, to, oh my God, I'm terrified of you. Yeah. And it's it's hard for like a criminal mastermind for anyone to feel actually afraid of. And somehow, without having some crazy superpowers, she actually did that. And I was legitimately afraid of her. Like, I was like, oh, these people will 100% kill for her. And that's her true power there. And I have to say, uh, 
compared to another redhead villain that we saw very recently that's also in middle age, Sigourney Weaver didn't have that. They, the defenders could have taken a uh, you know a page from uh, Kingsman books, Kingsman's book, and made her actually menacing. Like there was there was nothing that Sigourney Weaver did to validate the response that everyone else had to. Whereas Poppy completely, she was a bad bitch, and everyone should respect her. Yeah, yeah you're right. Yeah. It was I think like Julia that. Moore definitely had fun with that role. Yeah. And oh. definitely hammed it up as much as possible. Oh, yeah. Can, can I... I'm going to get through some stuff because I had a little bit of a spiritual awakening with this movie. If it's all right, can I can I rant a bit? Because I have a little bit of a crossover here. Can sure we go into it. criticisms? Yeah, so we're, we're going to get... Um, go ahead. Take it away. Yeah. All right. So this is this is called a this is called a uh, a, a, a transition, if you will. Oh. Um, I had a couple split criticisms here. Two of them, to be exact. I loved killing old characters. Like whenever you can uh, march into a sequel and just immediately just waste all of the people that you know and love for the first one, and then you'd be like, "Oh, this is a no. This is another movie in the same universe. Go for it, boys." I really love that. That being said, uh, the whole scene was really cutesy between um, Roxy and uh, Eggsy, the whole trying to court like the king and the queen. But we didn't really see them become that good of friends. We had a couple implied moments from the first one, but I would have loved to have seen more development of them working as a team and going forward. It would have made their deaths that much more powerful because in the end the only ones we saw was a couple holograms a new Arthur that we really didn't know and Roxy dying and the friend that again they introduced in that movie just so they could kill some random some random person for the lack of it Um, the only one that really had a connection to the first film was Roxy and again I would have loved to have seen that maybe like five ten minutes of them doing missions together and then you would have just felt that death that much harder because um, he says it, he's like, "Oh, Roxy's dead. Like, how is this?" And it, we should have felt that. The other thing I'd have to say is that I would applaud this movie for taking on big things: the environment in the first one, and then drugs in the second one. Both issues are something worth talking about. Like, absolutely, there's stuff going wrong with the planet right now. That's definitely human caused and we don't have an answer for it and is again i wish i could say like oh you know these politicians are being stupid and we have an answer and it's right here it's obvious we don't and and we're still searching for it yeah. um and it was interesting to see them take a uh like a, a crack at it you know like oh all people must be killed and then the planet will survive um in the same one i felt that i really loved the the take on drugs like we are as a country in this huge opioid epidemic like it's really hard to go anywhere and not be affected by it and at the same point this movie is challenging that saying the war on drugs is stupid and i I agree with that i think that it sent a lot of innocent or nearly innocent people to jail for something that like isn't really that serious and it's affected them because it's hard to find jobs. It's hard to get like good credit. It's hard to, you know, get a loan. It's hard to get ahead with that. If you have a felony drug possession charge on your back, 
um, at the same time, it really portrayed like, hey, people that like routinely abuse drugs maybe aren't contributing as much as we'd like to society. And it's definitely biased. It's it's biased in the way that I wanted it to be, where that like, hey, we should try and rehabilitate these people and we should try and like decriminalize it. But it also showed the, both sides in fairly equal light. Like there's there's arguments to both and I could definitely see you watching this movie and taking the same point out of it. That being said, it was heavy handed. It was the central, like the central plot of the movie was like try and free all these people from drugs. And I, I thought that the first one did a great job of not being so environmentally heavy handed. It was a background central plot between Valentine and Eggsy that, um, they had the environmental aspect, but they also had a, a little bit of a personal vendetta so the movie can make a point, but it wasn't like very preachy. Whereas I felt like this this film was very preachy on we must address the whole drug problem. Please give it attention. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of this, I like I had a problem with secondary character motivations. I thought that in the first movie it was great, where Exy was driven by the the ability to protect his family, and I think that in this movie it was not like it was basically save the world. Or else, you know, there wasn't anything that was driving the character besides like, oh, my my duty to my country. And I think that most of these characters work better if their primary motivation is not like the thing that pushes them. It should be like something else that pushes them to elevate past where everyone else can be. Yeah. Um, they even said a couple of different lines about, oh, go, if you save the world, you know what's going to happen again. Like, it, it was a very funny moment, but it's like, well, he, I, I think a lot of his actions, at least what he said, was like, oh, I'm trying to save, like, my girlfriend. But it ended up just saving the world, and it definitely made it a bit more bland. Um, right. It could have been it could have been something else, but the girlfriend happened to be infected with the drug disease. Yeah. Like, it, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like he doesn't really care in, until it affects him personally, right? Which it shouldn't. It should be a mixture of both of them. It should be like, hey, I'm doing this to do this, but I'm also like being driven so I can beat up my like weird stepdad. Um, to that, I felt like it, we didn't watch the first movie, which is a weird thing to say for a sequel. But like, I honestly felt all the motivations were severely off, like. Ginger being wanting to be in the field was completely introduced in the last third of this movie out of nowhere. She's yeah. like, oh, don't you wish we could just do that? It's like, well, no, because like, you never said that beforehand. Yeah. Um, same thing with Merlin dying. Like we talked about it before, but like he he could have gone out in a different way. Um, I just felt that they didn't really set up any of the motivations in the first movie. It's almost like they didn't expect the first movie to do that well. And that they had to write a sequel that was vaguely based on it. To get Mark Strong uh, out of it. <laughs> yeah. Mark, yeah. Mark Strong can't be in the third one, so... Whoops. He's uh, He's got to be the villain. He's got to be the villain. Um, <laughs> he be an amazing villain, though. I think Roxy... I think I mean, Roxy's gonna... great. Mark Strong has done amazing villains in the past, and... Yeah. I mean, it's so, it's so good to see him just do a... A very charming, like, character that's there to love his job and nothing else. And he's there for his his countrymen and his job. And he plays that so damn well, too. The problem, the problem is that I think that Mark Strong should be the villain in the third one. But 
they would have to even break the motivation so much more because he sacrificed himself. <laughs> like, if it was different and he, like, died because Eggsy or Harry, like, forgot something, that would make it so much stronger when he comes back as the villain. But, like, I don't know. Yeah, he has no motivation for revenge except for, like, y'all didn't let me in the field. Right, right. But I think he's, a he's like, a really good actor and he has the character depth to play that. That's why I think uh, Roxy's going to come back as the villain because y'all abandoned me. Y'all didn't even look for my body or anything. I think that's that could be potentially... That's uh, that's a better motivation than Merlin being the villain in the third one. No, I think it's no. going to be Jack Nicholson. Oh, that'd be great. Uh, yeah, you're not wrong there. Or Michael Keaton. And a couple last things. Uh, so I personally thought that Elton John got old. Um, <laughs> I, I think that every single thing that he said the jokes were funny um especially did y'all catch about the dogs benny the jet no yeah benny the jets yeah. like that was that was oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that was amazing that was like it took me so long to catch that really like, that was the first thing i picked up no. well she she introduced like i like uh, i like old-fashioned things and everything was in old-fashioned and then you see the two dogs heads of bidding the jet i was like ha, that's awesome like that's that's pretty cool well so i was more looking at battery level because i thought that ah. was going to play into it more uh i caught it at the end but again very good joke but a backstage pass joke with colin Firth. yep <laughs> but it, it, it all took me out of the movie like it 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 felt like Elton John was very forced into it. It was the cameo that they couldn't get for the first one, and that they just overdid in the second one. Um, one thing I'd like to say to make the film better, they should have done Brian Setzer. Who? Brian Setzer is a guitar player who had a moderate amount of success in the late 90s, early 2000s, playing like throwback swing music. And But the thing is that swing music is 40s, 50s. 40s, 50s suits Poppy's layer better. Like, her entire thing is based on 1950s America. And if you take one guy that's still active doing that style of music, it should have been him. Or someone I'm forgetting right now. Brian says Tom Jones. Yeah. It's like the the person I could think of when I was writing these notes down. Um, But it would also have reinforced her like completely 50s ideology rather than Elton John who's distinctively 70s um, literally a generation apart Um, a couple last little things here Uh, so in conclusion I I hate doing criticisms without giving like how I would do the movie better and I've done most of these without that so again I'm a massive hypocrite I've said this before and I'll say it again in this movie, you had the, the opportunity to tell Harry's backstory. Harry got killed in the first one. Like, shot dead. We were not expecting him back. Um, he literally says that he does not have a connection. He does not have an emotional investment. Tell that. Like, literally, show us all of that and show how he progresses through, the through like, the military into the Kingsman and then up into the point where he gets shot and died and comes back. Like, because at that point, we would know who the characters are. We would have established Eggsy through the first one, we would have established Harry through the second one, and then you would have set yourself up with an amazing third chapter, which would have introduced America as like a player on it. Again, we're going back to that whole thing. Um, 
A couple, uh, one last thing. I I didn't think that this movie had a meta scene as much as that snow, uh, the, the, you know, the, what's it called? The, as much as the ski scene introduced it, you had that great scene between Colin Firth and Samuel L. Jackson, two all-time great actors, saying, like, oh, this isn't this type of movie. Like, I always empathize with, like, the villain. Oh, I always empathize with the hero. This movie did not have it. I think it yeah. thrives on this, where, like, you have to be so meta about what you're doing to separate yourself from, like, the actual James Bond movies that have been coming out recently. Um, and I think that really underscores this, where, like, they they took a couple things and ran with it, but they didn't really quite capture what they what made that first movie great. And that first movie was so unbelievably, unbelievably meta, and they did not do any of it, this one. One other last thing, they could have uh, told the story about the power vacuum. Uh, the Kingsmen were dealing with a situation where literally every world leader had died in the first one. America and the world had somehow fixed itself in less than 365 days. <laughs> we all people. Oh, my God. Do you want any of those, those yodels deciding on our world leadership in a less than a year? Like, I think you could have made a great yeah. movie about a couple Kingsmen trying to save the planet by not having any sort of leadership while also trying to stay in the background. That was a really interesting premise that I thought of, but they just didn't do it. It was just business as usual. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think I want to touch off of a couple of these points that you brought up, Mike, is uh, uh, I thought it was kind of weird. It was not quite of a retcon, but when they introduced, you know, how is Galahad, how is Harry Hart back? Oh, we have this. What's the name of the gel? Something gel? It's called the alpha gel. Alpha gel. And so when they introduced yeah, that, I'm I like, was fine with that. Well, I was fine with that. Here's, here, I thought it was cool. Here's cool. Cool. America, wait, wait. World Police. Cool. So cool technology. I'm not. I'm not. I don't have an issue with the technology at all. I have an issue of them rushing to use it too quickly. So we see that Harry Hart gets used. That's a cool moment. He has to have an eye patch. He's physically damaged. There's something that's not quite right with him he's seeing butterflies he has to get back into it and there's a there's a learning curve there's a learning process you do it again with whiskey who has no <laughs> issues literally there's nothing wrong with this dude who gets shot th- straight through his brain through his brain now and they kept mentioning the fact that memory loss and all sorts of stuff with harry hart and how he finally gets it this puppy and it like jogs him out of this kind of weird thing which for whiskey all you do is show him a picture and say oh you don't remember her and then it jogs him out he's like completely back to normal and able to go and fight two other kingsmen um i i just thought that was kind of weird of just take it sure feel free to kill him but don't show his death on screen and see him come back in a different way like that's the way i would kind of change that but don't just because you have the alpha gel doesn't mean that you have to use it uh, because if you use it, you have to be sort of consistent with that. It's a really cool thing, but you also already explain the downside to using it, but you just completely like glaze over it the second time. To play devil's advocate on that, I think Ginger Al does mention earlier that they like kind of had fatalities before, and mm-hmm. they kind of figured out what their triggers are. And so they're kind of ready for their own men, but not really hairy because they had nothing to go off of. Fair. I mean, I can, I, can, I can see that. I was just like, ah, oh, man, they rushed that. Um, you know, I don't think, uh, let's see. 
I know that you're going to talk about a couple things, kind of, Brian. So I think my, I guess the other thing to me that it did feel a bit too long um, of a movie. It needs to be a bit more contained. Um, this movie was two hours and twenty one minutes, and again, it definitely felt two hours and twenty one minutes. There's some stuff that you probably could take it out in the middle. Because uh, it's a comedy, you have to keep a lot of action going. You try not to have too many lulls, and uh, a lot of the times it just has a lot of lulls that was just happening that you didn't quite know why they just didn't cut the movie shorter. Um, so I thought that was kind of strange. Like there's things you just didn't need to show. Um, there's certain scenes like I like the fact that he went to the music festival scene, but that could have been shorter. Um, of trying to pick up and like, oh, old people, Americans can't do it, but uh, you know, British men can. Like. <laughs> I get that you're trying to make I a joke. I thought Whiskey's lines on her were fucking amazing. I, just, <laughs> I, mean, I might steal those even. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's like, you know, it's just one of the things in which this movie is two hours and 21 minutes. You gotta move on. Yeah, yeah. It, it, there's certain, it's give and take. There's some things that you can't have all in this movie. So, you know, I have a couple things. I'll chime in a couple, which, uh, a couple of the thoughts that you have, Bradley, but uh, hit me. Uh, so yeah, so first and foremost, I mean, this is like your traditional like sequel that suffers from the Hollywood sequelitis where, hey, you did a great job the first time, uh, let's give you a bigger budget and we're going to focus on more effects, more blasts, more uh, eye candy. And this, the story unfortunately takes a, uh, takes a second hand to that, so... Um, yeah, this uh, the story itself is like very, like you said, ham-fisted, heavy-handed compared to the first movie. And uh, they even like the whole thing about the landmines coming into play. How many times does Poppy mention landmines in this movie? Like four times, five times where they actually come into play. Yeah. Just that type of overbearing setup is kind of what happened throughout this whole movie. Um. This uh, film, I mean, it pulls the punches that uh, made, like, the first one, I think, kind of very charming and uh, very uh, fresh as well. So, like, you see, like, Sophia Batella's uh, character in the first one. She, like, chops a dude split in half, and they show that dude getting chopped in half uh, in the first movie with no qualms at all. They don't cut away from it or anything. Or just having a villain that says he's like violence physically makes him ill and he actually takes the moment to shoot Harry in the face uh, and then gets sick afterwards Uh, or having all leaders be their heads be exploding or having the anal sex joke be the thing that ends the movie. You don't really get many of, you don't really get any of that. And even the whole like, Oh, I got to cheat on my girlfriend to uh, save the world type of thing. It's, um, it's played up more than what it actually is yeah. and what it turns out to be. Um, I mean, Channing Tatum, I mean, you got Channing Tatum in this movie and to have him be literally put on ice <laughs> halfway <laughs> through the movie. I, think I mean, <laughs> if that was the joke, fine. That's a funny <laughs> joke. Uh, but God, if you have Channing Tatum, you can do so much with them and like have, tequila and whiskey go along with you and that way you don't have to rely on just one representative statesman show us many different aspects of the statesman yeah as well um i think uh i and one thing that just bothers me i mean that kind of like was my the thing that i didn't really like about the first film is taron edgington himself is i don't think he's that good of an actor i don't 
enjoy watching Exe go through these adventures. I'd rather see someone else play this character, and I'd rather see uh, some other actor that has better range actually bring it to uh, this uh, type of uh, comic book film. I find that uh, he, he's there's just something about him that I really don't find uh, appealing. I just find him kind of bland, even when he's trying to be upset about stuff when everything's blown up and everything it just really comes off as unauthentic and it feels like he's just reading lines rather than actually acting um and it's uh and uh julianne moore even though i find her character very fun i think it's a weaker villain than compared to the first one i think valentine is a superior uh villain because he is kind of like he's he doesn't start off in that in being a bad guy he's not a drug lord or anything like that he's a tech uh billionaire and he uh he just eventually like yeah he does villainous things but he always has this idea that he's doing the right thing for the better of mankind and i think that little pivot of how his character approaches things uh, makes him a much better villain uh, for these type of uh, movies than uh, Poppy. I think Poppy is also underserved when you find you have Bruce Greenwood's presidents like, okay, you're holding us hostage. Great, fucking kill all the druggies. Yeah, and then you just you just blow the sail, uh, blow the wind out of the sails of what Poppy's big plan is by doing that. Yeah. Um, and uh, I would say uh, the action scenes, uh, they didn't really do it for me compared to the first movie, besides like Whiskey's fight scene. Um, I found it to be like some weird perspectives. They had some time lapse where I, I think it bugs me when I see time lapse put into an action film. Like, this is something that bothered me in like Mad Max, was like that first scene where he's running through the caverns. And uh, the uh, and the henchmen grab him. Max, it's all done in a time lapse where they're moving in like very like fast framey sequences. I thought that was weird. I think it's weird here too. Mm. It just throws me off when I'm looking at action scenes. And there's sometimes when when uh, when Harry and Exy are actually attacking Poppy's compound, uh, you can actually see that they're only like two feet away from the bad guys. And they're shooting with machine guns, like, right in their face. And it's, like, taking a while to kill those bad guys. And that just, even though this is supposed to be a comic book film, it, I think it just goes a little too ridiculous uh, when it comes to the action. Um, I also think uh, Poppy's a villain character. She really didn't need, like, a henchman or anything. I mean, there's no reason for, I think his name was Charlie. There's no reason for him to be in here. He's like a superficial character from the first film that you hardly remember brought back here for what just to have an analog to Sophia Batella. Sophia Batella's henchman was very unique and had those sword legs. Uh, he's not really here. She has those uh, robot dogs. She has the other robot. Yeah. I think that's enough for her. She it, that she doesn't trust people. That's a really cool thing that they should have doubled down on on her character. It was so that they could have a winter uh, soldier analog. Did I talk about how uh, Henry Jackman's yeah. score was ridiculous? 
No. But all right. Um, so my go- hang on one one last thing about this. So they had a Winter Soldier analog. Henry Jackman scored this movie. He also scored Captain America: Winter Soldier and Captain America: Civil War. This entire score was literally Captain America's theme mixed with a little bit of the Avengers. The amount of times <laughs> I heard ba 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 da, and like literally every single time they played a main theme was Captain America. Like, dude, just like write a new one. It doesn't matter. Like, just take the same instrumentation and just make new notes. It's not that hard. Like, just do something different. Right. Uh, it's it's inexcusable for the score to be completely the same as another movie, especially if he's the one that's composing it. Like, I could see someone trying to rip it off, but you can't rip off yourself. That's inexcus- inexcusable. Fair. Braylon. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, even though if Charlie's supposed to be a Winter Soldier analog, you already got that in the first film with Sophia Batella. Yeah. And she did a much better job playing that type of character anyways. Uh, the I, robot dogs would have been plenty enough for I agree with you. Sentiment. I agree with you completely. I literally just wanted to have a launching off point to mention the fact that Henry Jackman <laughs> stole his own score in this movie. Yeah, That's I mean, it. That's it. I, I agree with you completely on that one. Sophia Batella's character was also way more creative. Uh, and like her power would be like she has knives or excuse me swords as legs yeah that's that is all you need can I see that it's simple and effective yeah, yeah. but in this guy you don't has a need rope- some super powered robot arm that yeah. throws bowling balls through a wall to be like, fair yeah. stupid Sophia Batella has been got to quote about her she's so hot right now yes She's doing some good stuff. Like her, she was great in Atomic Blonde. She was really good in Kingsman. Go her. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Bradley, anything else? And uh, I mean, I'll just uh, echo what you said. It, the movie was way too fucking long. Yeah. Uh, you definitely started to feel that uh, two hours and twenty minutes. And there was times where it's like, oh, when are they just going to get to the next action film? action scene and then when the action scene was very uninspired it was like when are you going to show me something good yeah. <laughs> is when I was actually getting to the point is like um, and I thought that the final fight with Whiskey wasn't really just earned no I it was it, it was also it ended so it didn't end very well um, I, we've already seen a death by grinder and we've seen a death by grinder of uh, so a meat grinder better in this scene so that she feeds him the burger. Here we just yeah. see him get shoved in, and, yeah, and that's it. And I'm like that. Uh, I I, I kind of want to see him die by his lasso, right? Something like that, like something more creative that only Galahads can do, you know, or turn his power against them somehow, or have some sort of like magic power up for this moment. Um, I felt or have like, a have a Kingsman twist on that's kind of like. Hey, you might be statesmen, but we're kingsmen. I have that kind of dynamic to it. Yeah. Uh, which, I mean, I kind of got bugged by the final scene of seeing Channing Tatum walk into the kingsman uh, bespoke suit uh, store because they talk about, hey, we built a scotch distillery in Scotland. Let's see that scotch distillery. Yeah. I will walk in there and let's see this brand new awesome office that they got. Well, also, to be fair, that also does set up the third one. If if Channing Tatum is the leader of the, like that scotch distillery, all sins will be forgiven on that point. Because I was with you. Like I'm excited to see where it goes with him leading a picture with Colin Firth. Like, that would be amazing. 
as long as they show that based off the, the distillery. Yeah, and I would be more excited to see a Statesman movie starring Channing Tatum than another Kingsman starring Taron Egerton. Anyways. Oh, wow. I got to go back to a point that Mike uh, said. I didn't even realize. You said they casted a new Arthur, but it was so quick. Because that was Michael um, Keane. That was Michael Caine. Yeah, it was Michael Caine Michael in the first Caine one. In the yeah. first one, and this was um, Michael Gambon, aka Dumbledore. Dumbledore, yeah. Yeah, I, ju- I just realized what? that that was such a quick moment. They didn't even give him a chance to breathe before yeah. he died. Well, that's what that's what I'm saying. That the deaths felt like they were just weren't earned in this one, except for Roxy ish. But like, I would have loved to have seen more with Roxy. Yeah. yeah, your only connection with Roxy is that you watched the first movie. It's right, a- but it also felt like the first movie didn't exist because there were so many separate character motivations that they never expounded on in this one. So, I don't know. It is weird. So, yep. a couple things, just like kind of side lights, know anything. We need more Jeff Bridges. He was great. Oh. Oh, awesome. He was great. We need more of him. Him, him tasting the whiskey and spitting it into uh, his spittoon yeah, was fucking amazing. I think every time he was on, I was like, man, we need more of him. Uh, also, side note, that uh, Poppy Delavine, the girl who played Clara, I didn't realize that she was in King Arthur, what, Legend of the Sword. She's also uh, the Enchantress's older sister. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Yeah, she's uh, what's her face's other thing with things. Yep, something, something, and something. Uh, okay, so we're pumped. I think we got uh, everything sort of off our plate. I do want to mention uh, Blewett. Uh, talk about that redneck callback bar scene. Yeah, I didn't like oh, it. Yeah. I thought it was it. It was just again too ham fisted. Like, oh, just. <laughs> Just don't do it. That was a signature scene from the last movie. It could, it would have been funny if they went another way, where like they sort of like referenced, "Hey, I'm gonna kick your ass on a bar," and then didn't. Mm-hmm. You know, like resolved it non-violently. Because the well, partially the whole time I was thinking, well, that main American guy is like in on it. He's a statesman. He's just trying to get. Uh, the old gal had back into form, and then too. it never happened. He was just like a rednecked asshole. Yeah. It's like, all right, oh, fine, I don't, I don't care. You know, I thought what I thought would be interesting is that if you remove, like, if you put them into like a little bit more fancier of a bar, but they go in there, they they're kind of loud and like more boisterous, and then you have some proper people tell them to kind of leave, or then the more proper people would be a little bit more rude. And that same sort of kind of concept, just change the bar dynamic because you still have the same bar dynamic from the yeah. first movie. Yeah, that's actually, I'd never thought about that. That's a very good idea. Just change that dynamic if who's being rude to who. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, know, like, and I know like the whole idea is like to show that Harry still has ways to go, but I feel like it undermined Harry's character by just showing that again, that it's like, okay, here's something that you've done in your sleep and are fucking amazing at now you can't really do it all i think for this type of movie it doesn't really play off that well and also i kind of wanted to see that his whole call on whiskey being a bad guy and he's just like he showed his cards and that's all the explanation we get um if you're going to get fancy with the visuals kind of like step us through his thought process of why he thinks whiskey is um going to turn on him 
Also, I mean, I thought that would be a cool visual element. Also, give me some hidden messages in those butterflies in his containment room. I thought that they were going to go that route of it, this information was locked down deep somewhere, and this is how you like unlock it again. But they just kind of kind of glaze over that. Uh, I thought that would have been pretty cool. Like he spent obviously a lot of time like making these butterflies. Like maybe these butterflies have something to do with like making suits, right? And there's some sort of pent up, much like Blue it was talking about, like unlock his past a bit more of trying to figure out like what's what is it about butterflies and being called butterfly man more than Galahad in this movie. I mean, that's also could be um kind of effective. This this movie should have to underscore this what I said earlier, this movie should have been hairy based. It should have been told since the moment he got shot in the face up until that moment that he defeated, uh, you know, they, they defeated uh, Whiskey in that diner. Like, they, they really should have followed him instead of Eggsy I think I the been, whole time. Because then you would have actually had an arc, like, <laughs> someone who's trying to win redemption rather than, like, Eggsy who's kind of just doing the same thing he did in the first one. Except with less motivation, because he's just a kingsman and dope at it. Yeah, he's trying to save him. He's now trying to find his identity. That is like the main point. But then the secondary sort of thing is, oh, he has to also save the world and save a bunch of these people. But in the end, if I can't find myself, like that's going to be tough. And you see a lot of people fail, and also people are dying in this movie. I think it it makes it a bit more impactful. You're talking about Harry, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I completely agree with you. Yeah, it should have been about. uh, What's that or kill Exy at the beginning and make this Lancelot's movie. Who is Lancelot uh, now? Roxy. Roxy. Oh yeah. That would have been interesting. Yeah. yeah. I could, I could mess with that. I still would rather have it be a Harry folks movie about you know how he grew up, how he got to be this like emotionless killer. Mm-hmm. But I could do Lancelot. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. We're excited. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. We are the Down and Front Podcast again, and that was our review. I'm pumped, and I'm going to toss it. Brylan, grades, lasting thoughts. Uh, I'm going to give Kingsman the Golden Circle a C. Um, it's definitely visually elevated from the original, but it lacks the uh, charm and the risk-taking that the first one had that made it such a special movie. All right, Mike, what about you? I give it about a C plus. Uh, oh, I know going on grades earlier, and I said this immediately afterwards. I did. I like this movie more than Alien. Ish, even though I, even though I gave that a higher grade, and so I like this. I like to preface this that I think I was grading two movies too high. Um, Which Aliens? Wait, just be clear. Covenant, the latest one, was it Covenant? Oh, okay. Yeah, that movie was trash, and I rated it way too high. Um, but it really wasn't that good. So C plus, slightly above average. It was fun-ish. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll give this guy a B minus. I mean, it was fun. I like. I always gonna. I, I appreciate the attempt to do it. Um, they'll be able to kind of get things back and see, you know, what worked, what didn't work for a potentially kind of third one. But it also wasn't a bad movie. I think there's a lot of stuff that's hidden in. But like you were talking about before, like it's a sequel trap. It's a trap. And so they ended up kind of getting stuck with a lot of these things in which they could have just went back to their roots. Kingsman back to the roots is number three. Uh, And so it's, uh, they really could have just did anything that they wanted. But you really, 
I think much like you said, blow it like to get this a better grade and to get more and more people like watch it because there's a huge entertainment factor of this. Really go back and like really unpack that first movie to see was it the visual effects that made people go back or was it these meta commentaries and these kind of uh, shock factors that really had people wanting to go back and watch the movie more and more. Um, I think that's a really interesting dynamic that you can definitely explore and you'll see that there's there's smaller things that are going to be packed more punches and then much more sort of impactful. Um, Like more CGI and more gunfights is not probably the way to go. but yeah, I still give it a B minus because I enjoyed this movie like throughout, and I had just a fun time watching it. And um, even we didn't even talk about the the submarine scene in the beginning. I thought that was a pretty cool, cool thing to see. Yeah, cool. And we're excited. We're exhausted. But thanks so much for hanging out. Thanks so much for listening to the Down in Front podcast. We will find a bunch of our work on just about anywhere and any of the actual podcast applications. Uh, just search for us as Down in Front podcast. Uh, with that, I would say, Bradley, where can we find more of your work? Uh, you can find me distilling random thoughts and phrases on Twitter at tw- Bryland, B-R-I-L-U-N-D. Um, I also will put up uh, many movie reviews and TV show reviews on Instagram. I am Bryland. Uh, my recent one has been about American Vandal, so definitely check that out. Yeah. And also, I am the host of the Gamescast. Every Thursday, I strive to give you four hours of fun content. Right now, we just got into Telltale's Game of Thrones series. So much fun. Uh, just Yeah, just started Chapter 2, so we're going to take it one chapter at a time and see what happens to the Forrester family. They're not looking too well right now. <laughs> that was very fun. I have I, I thoroughly enjoyed sort of just like watching that as I work in the background. I, I, I literally was like, Oh my gosh, I don't know what's gonna happen. Uh, yeah. <laughs> as always, thanks for having uh, thanks for being here and I appreciate it. It's always great to have you on. You're welcome. Uh, the Shredder, where can we find more of your work? You have a show coming up, how's your boy? Yeah. So make make appearances, do things awesome, fantastic. Rome. So, anyways, uh, I'm in a band. Uh, we're a butt joke, and that's it. Um, so you can check us out at either My News Music or My News Band, potentially with an underscore in it. I honestly don't know. Um, I set it all up, but like it's not good. Uh, and so we're playing next week. It should be fun. Uh, check us out if you're in the Boston area. If you're not in the Boston area, you have a week to make travel accommodations. <laughs> you can stay with me. I don't mind. <laughs> Yeah, it's, uh, it's great. I'll, I'll put you up. You can stay in my basement, Sheila's lair. Um, we <laughs> should be performing some new tunes. If not, we'll just do some old ones. So you'll have fun. Or you won't. It's either one. Uh, when I go, can I request a John Denver? No, because we don't know that. We know about four covers, and half of them are Blink-182 songs. <laughs> so, oh, do you know yeah. Carousel? Yeah, oh, nice. <laughs> nice. Uh, nice. And I am Warren, your host. You can find more of our work here at the Down in Front Podcast. We're going to be on Twitter at underscore DAFP. That's at underscore DAFP, as well as on Facebook. So, facebook.com slash Down in Front Podcast. Uh, also, to support us, to let us know, we are looking for anything and everything. Uh, we like to go out, we like to record a bunch of stuff too, but we like to actually still kind of 
get some costs down. So definitely support us. Patreon.com slash Down in Front Podcast. Just do- donate as much as you like or as low as $1. Like anything and everything is going to be helpful. So we definitely do appreciate it. Um, if you want us to do any other weird sort of reviews, we actually got a couple requests uh, in this past week I'm excited to talk about later on. Uh, but if you do want us to review something, so feel free to email us, downinfrontpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, thanks so much. Find a lot of our work. We're going to be air and out all on the internet. And uh, we will say so long, farewell. I forgot the last words of the song. So long, farewell. I see the